Welcome to the Hockey Town West podcast. Here to talk all things Griffins, Firebirds, and Walleye are your hosts, Nick Harrington and Brandon Cook. You know what's weird? Uh, seeing your face in person again? <laughs> that too, but not being in an ice arena this week or last week. I mean, yeah, I miss it. Going like, we went to so many games back to back and then like... <laughs> I miss it, but my wallet doesn't miss it. Oh, let's not talk about that. I have not added up the totals I yet. I don't want to know still. I'm, very... I'm good with the ballpark answer. I don't need to know an exact. It's going to make me feel bad about myself. Uh, I am almost done adding up everything I spent for tickets, uh, everything I added up for concessions, everything I did for parking, jerseys, or anything else at the shop. So, like, I counted our my Darren McCarty fight night at the Joe as a as a purchase. Oh yeah. Any hoodies that I bought, uh, I the one category that I've been surprised about is the amount of money that I spent at concession stands. I don't drink, so that's pretty light there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it wasn't as much as I thought it would be. See, that's why I don't want to look at mine. <laughs> yeah, you're probably over. Oh, yeah, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> that was probably your most expensive portion. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, I didn't buy as many jerseys as you did. Yeah. Next year, and I, I mean, I didn't really take an account of, like, I didn't have a budget going into the season. I just kind of, like, free spent. But I didn't get, you know, I didn't get crazy. Yeah. Like, I was responsible. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was... It, it's up there but also i counted like the tickets that i bought for my parents my family. oh okay okay well yeah you did do a lot of group stuff too throughout the season so that changes that a little bit yeah for like the flint games but i didn't pay for toledo um so that didn't that i didn't take that no count either that's fair so and i can't find the concessions for toledo which is weird i don't i don't remember you buying anything concession wise at toledo Oh, I did eat. I had to eat. I eat everywhere. That's fair. <laughs> Food is good. So, yeah, I should have a total, based off of the amount of games that we went to, plus how much we spent at each game by next week. Okay. That'll, that'll, be, a, that'll be an interesting interesting read. And then I'll be able to figure out how much do we want to set aside for next year. <laughs> uh, I'm going to look at the promo schedule when it's released next year. And pick one jersey, and that's the only one. Without even seeing them, I'm going to just pick that one. That's the game. That's the one I want that year. And you're going to go all in? Yeah, you know it's going to be the Red Kettle game, too. <laughs> like two grand? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. No, I'm not going all in like that. I'm going to bid you up on a Lombardi one. <laughs> I'm going to run you up on all of them now. <laughs> well, I'm let's pay Joe to run you up. <laughs> oh, no. And then I drop out. Now Joe has to pay that cost. <laughs> that's fair well this is season recap kind of it's a mixture part one part part one of griffin season recap with a lot of toledo playoff coverage mixed in here part half point five maybe <laughs> we'll figure this out as we go but welcome to the hockey town west podcast i'm one of your hosts brandon and this is nick uh, we're both feeling better today. Yeah, we're actually seeing each other in person for the first time in what? This is two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Essentially, well, since the last well last game of the season is the last time I saw you. Oh shoot, that's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a minute. So the uh, <laughs> you had COVID, you had COVID. I think I got a cold, COVID, and food poisoning in that two week stretch. Yeah, <laughs> COVID still sucks. 
Yeah. Second time around, it still sucks. So, yeah, fun stuff here. Uh, I'm sure you've been enjoying watching playoff hockey, though, while you were sick. Yeah, we've got some interesting matchups. Um, yeah, I mean, so yep. we haven't talked anything about that Stanley Cup playoffs on this because, well, we're a Griffins podcast and Toledo Walleye podcast at this point. So, who's your pick? For the Cup? Yeah. Who are you going? I mean... Who do you want, but who do you think is actually going to win? Like, <laughs> let's give me the two answers here. Who do you want, I would, who do you think is actually going to, re- in reality, win this? I would love to see Seattle Kraken win it. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. I feel like a lot of Detroit Red Wing fans have moved over to the Kraken, which is fun, exciting. It's kept the Twitter group uh, engaged and... Uh, besides watching Toronto try to fail or fumble through this first round, um, everybody's kind of jumped on that uh, wagon, which is fun. It's just good. I want to say Boston's going to win it all. I feel like they're built correctly with Tyler Bertuzzi just adding that extra add to them. Six Uh, points already. Six points in how many games? Four? Three? Four. I can't remember if they've played games. Yeah, four games. Six points, four games. Yeah. Because they lost one, so. Yep. But I'm nervous to pick them because of the President's Trophy. President's Trophy curse is a real thing, but at the same time, this Boston Bruins team is one of the best hockey teams that's ever been assembled in the history of hockey. Yeah, they're so, loaded. Which is funny because I remember last season we were like, "Oh, Boston's going to tank next year. They have too many injuries. They have a new coach. Like, they're just not going to be able to." And then they surprised everybody, just coming out and blowing it out this year. I think everyone forgets that, like five of their big key players were injured for like the first 20 games of the season. Yeah. And they still put on the show they did. So it's crazy. I agree with you where I think Boston will probably win. And I do want Seattle to win, but I, in my bracket, I put Edmonton winning it. I think McDavid needs a cup. Finally, maybe he'll smile. They just need better. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever seen him smile. I don't think anybody has. He <laughs> plays for the Oilers. No. And if they don't, then it's just a, it's a, It'll be interesting to see what happens to that team after the season. I think this is their only shot at doing it at this point for the foreseeable future. They need a goalie. After what I watched last night, or not last night. Two nights ago. Two nights ago because they played tonight. Um, the fact that Ken Holland signed Darnell Nurse to a long-term $9 million a year contract and he played probably the worst defense I've seen anybody play in the playoffs so far this year, they're screwed if they don't win this year because – they got Ken Holland. This is this is just a classic Ken Holland contract. Oh, 100%. The team is classic Ken Holland at the tail end of his Red Wings tenure. Not the early years. The tail end where it was not good, but they still made the playoffs every year. Yeah, everyone will continue to make the playoffs. He knows how to build a playoff team. Yeah. Just not a championship team anymore. I just think I still think what I told you before the pod, like whoever wins that series between them and L.A. wins the Western Conference flat out. Those two teams are the most exciting teams in that conference for sure yeah that has become the series now that we're at uh, this is tuesday that we're recording so this might come out in two days and then <laughs> that series might be wrapped up it could be <laughs> by that time oops uh oh no depending on when you're whenever you're listening because it would wrap up thursday they play tonight no, I'm go sorry. To no they wouldn't because so edmonton this is weird so Edmonton plays tonight. They have three days off before the next game. Oh, yeah, that's true. They, which is unheard of in the NHL playoffs. It gets weird. The scheduling gets weird in the next few days for the games. So Yeah, I think they were talking uh, during the game the other night, and they were talking about what they said to Ken Holland, and he's like, in all my years of running teams, 
I've never seen a three-day break in the playoffs. So, like, both these coaches know going into tonight's game, they could throw all the energy at them possible, and they've got three days to recover. So tonight's games are going to be crazy. Oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. I might want to stay up to watch this game. Yeah, it's worth it, I think. But enough about the NHL. Let's talk some ECHL, because we don't have Griffin's games to talk about first like we normally would talk about. Oh, snap. We're going that route? Yeah. We'll, yeah. Go, we'll go while I recap, and then we'll talk Griffin's season recap. Okay. Let me... Is that okay with you? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Let me pull up. It's like, I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> that was a, there was a curveball there. I mean, it's laid out in the notes. <laughs> I'm trying to pull up the notes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it definitely is. Well, I just gave one recap. You're welcome, buddy. I got you. Um, so start us off, Brandon. Yeah, no, you're okay. Normally, you would be the one reading off the Toledo recap for the game sheet in this recording, but uh, I'm going to take over that for this this round, at least. Yeah, I don't think I watched this game. No, you were at work during this game. And we were um, trying to figure out how to watch it, and that app is really different yeah so there's apparently two apps i've learned if you live in ohio you can use the buckeye cable network streaming app oh we don't live in ohio we can't use that so the buckeye one is free for the playoffs but we know people in ohio will toledo girl give you her login (laughs) (laughs) if only i had her number (laughs) (laughs) oh i had to get that in there quickly (laughs) anyways um, yeah, we were, we figured out a way to watch them, but it's not the most convenient app for both of us to be able to watch. It knows if you're sharing a password or a stream. So we've figured out a couple different ways. But They've done least, what Netflix couldn't figure out. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we couldn't figure it out for this game. We figured out how to get you to watch the next game, but we couldn't figure it out for this one. So game one in Toledo, playing the Indy Fuel for the series, the bank tank is hopping that place is packed i've never seen even in the ahl a hockey atmosphere like this in the playoffs of what i was just seeing on tv like i was getting hype and i'm watching through the tv i'm not there in person like i can't wait till we figure out the playoff schedule for the second round so we can get down there and see a game second round oh yeah you think it'll be closer than what we got so far the second round i don't know depends on the cincy uh Fort Wayne series. But Maybe we wait till the third round. No, we're going to the second round. Why? Well, then we can go to the third round, too. Yeah. Or the fourth. And the fourth. Yeah. We can go to a game in each round. Get ready to drive, buddy. That would be sick. <laughs> um, but game one, starting goalie in this one for the walleye, Sebastian Kosa, starting his first pro playoff game. How'd he do? Well, he played really well. So the Wall end up winning this game 4-1. to one. Great way to set the tone for the series. Classic. Uh, goals. Seth Barton starts us off for that. Griffin player. Griffin boy. Uh, Charlie Curdy and TJ Hensick get the assist on that. This goal is a power play goal. That's a trend in this game. Free chili. We're not there yet. You gotta get the three for that. <laughs> no, uh, I thought it was on every goal. Every power play goal they get free chili. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's every goal. <laughs> Oh, and poor Wendy's after this game, because holy crap. So anyways, while I get that goal first, 8 minutes, 55 seconds in, power play goal. Indy gets on the board, uh, 14 minutes, 57 seconds in, power play goal as well. So two power play goals scored so far in this game. 
No goals in the second period. It was really tight. Uh, Koso really wasn't tested much in this. Indy only had five shots in the first, five shots in the second. Jeez. Um, but some of the opportunities that Kosa did see, he had to make some pretty big saves on. And good for him being able to stay focused in a game like this, not lose your focus, not get bored. <laughs> well, he's used to that, too, with Edmonton when he was playing for the Oil yeah. Kings. He didn't have a whole lot of shots because that system was pretty tight defensively. So to see that here in the ECHL, to see that translate over, that's good. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, third period comes around, 5 minutes, 34 seconds in. Gordy Green gets the walleye the lead, assisted by Trenton Bliss and Kirill Tatayev. Two more Griffin guys. Power play goal. Power play goal. So we're at three power play goals now. Two free chilies. Two free chilies for the walleye fans. Nine minutes in, Brandon Hawkins, assisted by Tutayev and Bliss, two Griffins players. A power play goal. Another free chili. And then 18 minutes, 49 seconds into the third period, Trenton Bliss scores a goal, assisted by Brandon Hawkins and Riley McCourt. Let me guess. Power play goal? How'd you know? <laughs> I don't know. I just guessed. This game was wild. Every single goal scored by both teams in this game was a power play goal. Indy went one for four on the power play. Toledo went four for seven. Indy had 34 penalty minutes in this game. Jesus. To the walleye 16. Yeah, looking at the game sheet, the penalty sheet's uh, uh, longer than most games we look at. Pretty stacked. Why do these two teams hate each other? Uh, why couldn't Indy stay disciplined and stop taking stupid penalties? That's a trend through this round. Uh, spoiler alert for the next two games we talk about here. <laughs> Thoughts on this game after watching it? There was a lot of energy on both sides when they came out. Indy tried to be rough and tough. Toledo stood their ground. They played very smart. They didn't draw or they didn't take stupid penalties. They draw really good penalties. Uh, obviously, special teams played a big role in this one for them. Four for seven on the power play is an, an incredible stat for that game. No five on five goals is the wild part, but there wasn't much time in this game. They were playing five on five. If you if you look at the amount of minutes we're talking here. Do you think the Griffins ever scored four power play goals in a, any game this season? I don't think in any game this season at all that happened, no. It was it was wild. Um, even the announcers were talking about it the whole game long, how crazy this was. Standouts for this game? Everybody. I mean, everybody played really well. Yeah. Costa getting his first pro playoff win is huge. Uh, but the Griffin guys obviously stepped up and played a big role right away. A lot of people were concerned only four days of practice before the round started. What was that going to look like? They fit in Dan Watson's system so well already yeah. that it was like plug and play. They didn't look out of place at all. They didn't look like they hadn't been playing with the team this whole time. I mean, this roster is basically the roster that Toledo went on the 18-game win streak with. Yeah. And it's basically been rebuilt for this playoff, so this is going to be interesting. Yeah, man. They just played so well. It was such a fun game to watch. I was having so much fun watching this one. It's good to see that the Griffin players went back. They picked up right where they left off like Kirill played a fantastic game Trenton Bliss another really big game for him as well so it's good to see them back down there having fun scoring goals back into the system yeah I mean Bliss had two points Tatayev had two points and Barton had the first goal in the series um they interviewed Barton uh during the first intermission because you know at Toledo games they interview players during the intermission break Oh, crazy concept. I don't think I've seen that before. No, not in Grand Rapids, at least. Um, and so they asked him, like, you know, seven guys coming down from Grand Rapids to play, and everybody seemed really excited to come. What was that about? Like, why was everyone so excited? 
and his instant response, as I expected, was, uh, the team and this coaching staff gives you a reason to be excited. It's a system that we're all bought into, and that's why we want to be here. The excitement and culture this coaching staff, I'm going to keep saying that, coaching staff brings to the table in Toledo is the reason these guys are excited to go from playing to the AHL level to the ECHL. Most players aren't pumped about that. Most players take that as a, oh, I'm going down to the coast. This sucks. Yeah. These guys were psyched to be there, clearly. I mean, it helps, too, having the win, like having the wins, that the system is easy for them to play in and pick back right up, and they're having success. I mean, it's that that's important. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing prospects have success in a system that mimics the Detroit system compared to what was happening in Grand Rapids, which wasn't the same system. So how do we get that system to Grand Rapids? Well, I'm sure we'll get into that at some point in this offseason, right? <laughs> it's probably, yeah, probably an episode later or a couple episodes later. Yeah, so final thoughts on that game. Uh, playoff atmosphere at the Bank Tank is incredible. The team looked really good, really strong, stood their ground well uh, against a rough and tough indie team. So that was nice. Then you turn around right to Saturday night, back-to-back, back at the Bank Tank, play game two. Different change in this one, though, which is something you don't see in the playoffs very often, is Letheman gets to start. We're going to go two goalies, it looks like, for Toledo here. Well, they've been doing that all season. Like, when we started covering this team, we were trying to figure out who is starting, who is backup. Like, what is the rotation here? And it seems they just continue to alternate, which yeah. is good. Which, good for Letheman getting in a start after his time in Grand Rapids. Wins goalie of the year in the ECHL. So this is his first game since he gets that award. Um, you know when I saw this before? What's that? It, like a two-goalie system before? Hmm. It was Dominic Hasek and Chris Osgood when they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, that makes sense. It was right around that time uh, yeah. where they did that, and they led the league in uh, low schools allowed. Yeah, and they had asked um, Kosa before this game how he felt about this decision. And he said that, you know, the goalie room there, it's so strong. They both just support each other, want each other to be successful. The way that these two talk about each other, I just think of the Boston goalies <laughs> and how much they get along with each other, respect each other, care about each other's game. And just seeing, like, what these two have been able to do uh, together has been impressive. So, Lethman gets the start. Toledo wins this game 4-2. to two. Go up 2 nothing in the series. Is it 4-2? Four 4-2. Two? Four to two. Yep, let them in, stop 34 of 36. So Indy got their shots on in this game. Uh, total shots, yeah. Total shots for Indy, 36 to Toledo's 33. Scoring goes as followed. Uh, one minute, 34 seconds into the game. Uh, Stewart gets the first goal, assisted by McKenzie. No Griffin's influence on that one. Crazy. And it wasn't on the power play. No. It was a 5-on-5 five five goal. This game's very different so far. I know, right? Uh, 16 minutes into the first, Indy ties the game. And then that was it for the first period scoring there. Second period, four minutes in, Drew Warad comes out, scores, gives the walleye the lead. Warzone. Hensick and Curdy assisted on that one on the power play. <laughs> no, no free chili? No, we get free chili on that one. I know, I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. Uh, that was it for the scoring for the second, though only one goal by the walleye at that point. Third period comes around, 40 seconds into the period. Bliss gets his second of the series, assisted by Barton and Hawkins on the power play. Free chili. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then 16 minutes, 39 seconds into the third, Vero gets his first goal of the series, assisted by Barton and Warad. Empty net goal at this point. 
Indy did get one right after this to get themselves back into it a little bit, but the game was long lost for them at that point. So Indy came in with a new game plan. Yes. Did they stay out of the box? Nope, 21 penalty minutes total. While I went for two for six in the power play, Indy went zero for three to Toledo's 15 minutes. So uh, Five of those minutes for each were fighting majors. Oh, jeez. Yeah, this was a rough and tough one again as well. But, again, to our Indy came out swinging. They were hitting, trying to throw the body, playing with a lot of speed and energy. And the walleye just didn't let it get to them. They just took it and gave it back, but gave it back smartly and not taking stupid penalties and come out on top again, scoring four goals just like they did the night before in this game. Do you think it's a skill thing with this team? Or do you think it's more of like a systems thing of like why like why are we just dominating any Indy? I mean... One, they can't stay out of the box, so that's not helping. Toledo's power play and penalty kill in the regular season was among the top in the ECHL. So That's crazy, because remember when we looked at for the Griffins? It was near the bottom of the <laughs> AHL for both? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and those teams had made the playoffs, though. I wonder oh, how. yeah, those. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <clears throat> I wonder how those teams are doing in the playoffs. I don't remember which ones it was. I have to look that stat again. We could look at it later. Yeah, yeah, that's actually funny that you bring that up. I didn't think about that. This game, standout, I mean, Lathaman. Lathaman, we all know, had a rough go of it here in Grand Rapids. It wasn't his best period of goaltending. He knows that. He comes into a playoff game, game two, and made some incredible saves. Like, in that first period, it easily could have been 3-1 Indy. 100%. Yeah, we put a lot of highlights out for Lathaman. He had an incredible game. So he gets my player of the game on that one. He looked like vintage Lethemon that you expected to see in the ECHL. He was able to sleep in his own bed. He was able to wear his own goalie pads. He was He's wearing his own goalie pads. Come on. <laughs> he was uh, just feeling the game, the feeling, the vibes back in Toledo. He clearly was. And, I mean, the system again in front of him works. It's it crazy. works with both these goalies. It all comes down to the system that's played in front of him. I mean, they gave up a couple bad, I mean, they gave up, what, three breakaways in the first period. They, and he stood tall on each one with some... One of them was a crazy save. My thing on this, too, is they... The one negative thing about Dan Watson's system is they give up so many breakaways. Because even when the game we went to, there was three breakaways that Kosa had. Yeah. And then the breakaways again in this game. So I think it's a it's a common theme. I don't know. I, I, like, it's I'm all pay. about the defensive system and how they collapse as it comes back. But sometimes, I mean, most of those breakaways are just a turnover at the blue line, a bad pass. Yeah. And that's just point-to-point passing, which the Grand Rapids guys are getting paired up with guys they haven't been paired up with all season, too. So, Do you know the pairings? I don't know. The pairings were different from Game 1 to Game 2, and then they reverted back to what I saw in Game 1 tonight for Game 3. I mean, Barton and Vero were one of the ones that was paired together for sure, and Sobrango was paired up, I think, with Curdy. I mean, you got three Griffin defensemen coming into this one, and in the first night, only two of them were paired together. So, leaving Sobrango on the odd man out there, and I, I want to say the turnover wasn't off of either of... One of the turnovers, at least in this game, wasn't off of them. I don't remember what it was like. I thought he had spread out the defensive pairings with Griffins and had one Griffin on each of the three defensive pairings for Saturday's game. And I think that's what kind of resulted in the breakaways. That makes sense. Do you think Dan Watson keeps those pairings together next year in Grand Rapids? <laughs> what are you saying? That Dan Watson should be the coach in Grand Rapids? Yeah, he should. Anyways, um, this game you got to watch. Thoughts on this game? 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had so much going on that night. I didn't really watch it. It was on, but I didn't. I didn't get to watch it in detail like I did tonight. Um, I mean, South Barton's played a hell of a series. I mean, that's that's the one thing that I can take away from the series so far in those first two games is that he's really stepped up and like set the tone, which is good. I would love to see that next year in Grand Rapids. Yeah, I mean, he was finishing at the end of the AHL season. He had a hot stick uh, for the Griffins. He had a couple goals in a couple games and quite a few assists going up there. He's At this point in the series, he's got three points in two games. He might just take over that lash-off spot for next year. I like him in that position. He's he's a good defenseman. He's just got some things to grow on, and he's young too. So Most of them are. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see. But that pretty much wraps up game two there. Toledo 2-0 series lead at this point. Heading into tonight's game at Indy, so they got got to take a 2-0 series lead into Indy and see what they can do with it here, and shocker, they scored four goals in the game again. Yeah. (laughs) So they scored four goals in all three games in the series so far, and they won 4-1 tonight. Yeah, they just just wrapped up the game, so we're recording literally right after, so uh, yeah, 4-1? 4-1, I can give you the scoring rundown here in this one. Uh, Nothing happened in the first. Toledo had seven shots on goal. Indy had eight. Pretty calm. You said Kosa wasn't really tested that much in this period. No, a lot of the shots were coming from the point. Um, So, like, the goals that Vasilevsky's been giving up, yeah, uh, Kosa's been saving those. Or it's just been blocked by the defense. So I've noticed when we are in our defensive end, like, we collapse so much. So Kosa's really not seeing it. It makes me a little nervous for just tips and stuff like that. I mean, like I said, Vasilevsky's just (laughs) letting everything in from those points. Yeah, I mean, the Toledo defensemen are eating up shots at this point. I mean, they, yeah. they, they are one of the league leaders in block shots in the regular season, and I'm pretty sure they're already leading the ECHL for block shots in the playoffs. I did not know that. It, it, yeah, that's one of the things with the defensemen there. And they're all doing, I mean, Barton, Vero, and Sabrango are eating pucks at this point. It makes sense because, I mean, that's literally what I saw, though, when I watched tonight. Yeah, and I can't leave out the other guys, too. You know, uh, Charlie Curdy as well, playing a really good series so far, which we really liked his play when he was here in Grand Rapids for those couple of games. Um, Chucky. Kirill, uh, the other two, though, like, that first period, Kirill had a ton of chances, too. Him and Hawkins were playing so well together. Uh, Kirill had a breakaway, and I thought this was going to go in, and he hit the post. But he was... Not only looking for opportunities for himself, but he was also looking for assists. So, like, there was one spot. I think it was Barton on the right side that Kirill passed it over, and there was an open net, and uh, Barton couldn't handle it, or he missed. But yeah, it was it was close. So, I mean, it, Toledo had their opportunities in the first. They just could not. They couldn't get it to go in. Yeah, and in this one too, they had a different. They added a defenseman in tonight because McCourt was injured in game two. He got taken into the boards kind of awkwardly. Um, so Derek Deshek, I'm gonna say I'm not. I not good with this one. I leave pronunciations up to you now. I know you do. So I'm gonna <laughs> go with that for that one here. Uh, but he also had a couple shot blocks in this game too as well. So I mean, every defenseman, not just the Griffins guys, are playing when it comes to this stuff. I don't so, feel like we really saw a whole lot of block shots when we were in Grand Rapids. Like, people were, like, laying out the body, but no, it's also playoff did. hockey. We, yeah, playoff hockey's a whole different beast, obviously. We did, um, I don't think you notice a block shot as much when you're in person at a game. I don't think you notice it as much, because every time it happens, an announcer's calling it out on TV. 
Fair. It's kind of hard with how fast the game is now uh, to tell in person what that if it's blocked or not by the defenseman or what. So yeah, so after the first period where nothing happened, seven minutes, 46 seconds into the second, Craggs gets us on the board, uh, assisted by McKenzie and Barton. It was gets, a beautiful goal. He gets, Barton gets another point in the series. Um, and then nine minutes into the second as well, nine minutes, 45 seconds in, Bliss gets his third goal of the series, assisted by Gordy Green and Kirill Tatayev on the power play. So another game where we're getting power play goals. At least Indy managed to stay out of the box a little more in this one, it looks like. But Indy does get on the board right at the beginning of the third, though. One minute, 26 seconds in, they score. Uh, let's get back within what, one at this point. Yeah. And then seven minutes into the third, Stewart gets a shorthanded goal, assisted by Craggs and Meyer. And then Donovan Sabrango gets his first of the series, assisted by Tatayev and Curdy on an empty netter to close out this game. That was a far shot, too. <laughs> it was a long shot. Uh, Kosa stops 28-29, his first pro playoff road win in a pretty empty arena. Yeah, it was pretty. That was weird. Uh, well, I can tell you the attendance. So the attendance in Toledo each night was eighty three hundred. Tonight it was twenty five hundred. <laughs> so a little quieter than the Walleye are used to playing. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, it is a, like you said to me, it was a Tuesday in Indy, but we know if this game's on Tuesday in Toledo, it's full. They they said before it's not really a series until you win away. Well, they did it. And they did it. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what system Indy brings to the table on Thursday in Game 4 with their back against the wall like this. I think they just goon it up. I think they try to goon it up, too. And I hope for their sake they know how to goon it up right because they can't stay out of the box, it seems like, when they goon it up. So There's less penalties in this one, though. Indy only had 13 minutes. Toledo had 11 minutes. Indy went 0 for 3. And then we went one for four on the power play. And then we also had that shorthanded goal. So technically, Indy went minus one for three. <laughs> Jeez. So it's like it's just special teams. Indy just going to figure it out. And the walleye special teams has obviously figured it out. Yeah. So, That's yeah. Good. Exciting series so far. I've really enjoyed being able to, one, watch some walleye games. We've only ever seen the one in person and then clips of what we've gotten to see online. We've never actually gotten to sit down and watch full walleye games back-to-back like this. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. This team's so much fun to watch. It is really fun. I have been noticing, like, they... I really like their system, and they don't play north-south. No. There's a lot of stretch passes. Yep. There's a lot of diagonal passes. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of drop passes, too. So that's, like, the most exciting part, and I think that's what gives up a lot of the breakaways is the stretch or diagonal passes. But they can rely on the goalies that they have back there to be able to stop those. So that's the most exciting part is like the diagonal passes. They've got the breakaways. They're fast. And then that drop pass. And then that drop pass usually goes to another diagonal across for an empty net. Yeah. And the thing I love about their power play too is there's no dump and chase really. It's a lot of quick zone entry. That they kind of body their way in yeah. and establish their presence in the zone and set up a play. And we've seen a lot of good net front play, too. I think it was game two. Bliss had a tip in front of the net that was probably one of the most beautiful tipped goals I've seen that was game across two. all three leagues this season. It was sweet. Um, and then as well, too, just the play of Brandon Hawkins continues to just be so impressive for this team. They... We were showing an interview with him in the intermission of game one, 
talking about how he goes and plays roller hockey all summer long and stuff like that and how that skill translates over. I didn't realize how good he was with the puck. Like, I knew he could score goals and I knew he was good, but he can do some crazy moves with that puck like you would see like on the TikTok hockey trends and stuff like that. Like some Trevor Zegers style stuff. He's like Pavel Datsuk. Uh, not that far. American made. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was one goal that he had during the season. He comes down using his speed down the right side, gets the puck on the back end of his blade, flips it in top and roofs it in the net in front of the net. It was the weirdest. I never saw that goal. I was like, that was incredible. Yeah, it's play it's of the year for the ECHL. <sighs> He should be. I mean, he's in. in he's an incredibly good hockey player. But yeah, that wraps it up for Toledo's first three games. Game four is Thursday at seven in Indy as well. Uh, I know we'll be watching that one. I'll figure out how to watch that while I'm working. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be working. <laughs> It'll too. be interesting. But no, we'll uh, we'll be covering that one as well. And for the rest of the playoff series, or the rest of the playoffs for the wall, we'll be covering every single game for sure. Yeah. So, Especially with how much Griffin's players we have on this roster. It's insane. Seven guys. But the whole Toledo roster as a well as as a whole is uh, interesting to us to pay attention to as well. So Yeah, like next season, like I was kinda of planning next season, we probably won't cover Flint. It'll probably just be Toledo and Green yeah, Rapids. Unless the Red Wings draft some high profile person that ends up playing at Flint. Or Saginaw. Or but, Saginaw, wherever we get it, if we get another Lombardi out there, which the Flint Firebirds drafted another Lombardi. Is there a relation or no? I don't know. I didn't look too far into it. I saw it. You were watching the draft. Congrats on your draft. Yeah, yeah. no, that's Brendan Cook. Oh, your alter ego. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know there was another Cook with the E at the end of it out there, but there is. At 150? 150? 155 or something like that, yeah. yeah. Third day? First day. Oh, first day. It was first wow, day. they go so fast. The, yeah, I'm not going to get into the <laughs> OHL's draft. It's wild. Um, I still don't fully understand how it works, but... <laughs> They've got to have some deep drafts, like scouting There's department. like six different zones of drafts. There's like regular <laughs> and then under 18 draft. and I don't, It's it's weird, man. Maybe it's next weird. year we figure it out. <laughs> no, I think I need a couple years to figure that one out. I'm surprised we've gotten as deep as we have. But there is, like, I've been following the Discord pages for the podcast that we follow for the Wings. For that I follow for the Wings. And there's quite a, there's a buzz around Toledo and the Walleye. But I do love the interest in Toledo, and I think, one, it's just because, obviously, they're just having an incredible season. Uh, Two, they have our future coach. They have a potential future Griffins coach. They have the Red Wings' future goaltender, along with a bunch of other prospects. So, yeah, they're getting the interest. But even without those, let's just say the seven Griffins aren't there. Kosa's there, obviously, because that's where Kosa plays. But let's just say the team is the way it is. I would hope they're still generating enough interest because one of the guys that play there deserve it. Yeah. And the coaches that coach there deserve it. And the fans deserve to have the interest in that team. But, I mean, you just look at pictures around the league in the ECHL for these playoffs. No one's packing arenas like Toledo is. Jeez, they do, they call it T-Town for a reason. It's crazy. Do you, like, so you've been following the Griffins for a long time because this is your hometown team. Do mm-hmm. you feel... Like, have you ever seen this much interest in their affiliate team? No. Not at all. We all knew, Griffins fans as a whole knew the walleye existed, but that was pretty much the extent of it. There's a lot of, like, season ticket holders that I talk to and a lot of fans that I've talked to this season that 
they're like, you haven't been to Toledo yet? And I'm like, no. So, I mean, like, those, and they're more hardcore because they're season ticket holders, but they, uh, they're like, it's a great time. We, we love going down there. I mean, we went once and had a freaking blast. Yeah. And I want to go back for sure. I just don't know. Round two, baby. Right. I mean, I would, if it's so far, my, my hope would be like round three, round four finals. I want to go to round two, three, and four. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, as long as it fits in the schedule. You can afford a private jet, right? No. Oh, well. I'm not Evan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, on to a little bit of Griffin's recap, you say? Griffin's recap, part half. Yeah, so we're going to do this um, in a way that makes sense for us while covering the walleye still, because we don't want to try to... We, we could get out multiple episodes in a week, but we also both have full-time jobs. And as we've both told each other, yeah, we'll get out more episodes. We each got sick. Um, so I'm not going to say that to ourselves again. We might at some point. Who knows? But the way we'll do this Griffin season recap, today we're just going to talk overall season, you know, who we thought the best player of the season was, most improved, most disappointing, stuff like that. And then in future... In, Episodes to come, we'll talk forwards, we'll talk defense, we'll talk goalies, we'll, we'll talk, talk coaches. Coaches, I mean, we talked a little bit that's last how sh- episode, but... That's how we should end the series, is on coaches. Oh, we can come full circle on coaches on this, 100%. That would transition to the next coaches. It will. Griffin's season recap. We want to finish with the, start with the standings? Well, we know where we finished. We finished at the bottom of the Central Division. 72 games played, 28 wins, 36 losses, 4 overtime losses, 4 shootout losses, 64 points. Texas finished up top with 92. I'm depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, we all know this season what it was supposed to be. Clearly, Ben Simon's gone. Like, there's a reason for that. The season was not what anyone thought this Griffin season was supposed to be. I know you went into it, and I went into it with this expectation of this is going to be a crazy season. This team is so deep in talent. We're going to see something crazy unfold here. We definitely saw something crazy unfold. (laughs) Yeah, we we saw a coach play all season long with a system that did not work with what these players could produce and what the direction of the Red Wings wanted. They, he did not implement a Red Wings system. He's the only team, he coached the only team in the organization out of the three that did not run the Detroit system. Well, he's been there for five years. Why do you think he would have swapped year five I don't five know, you in. think after the past couple of years he would have tried to change something up. Why? He was good in those other years, wasn't he? No. Really? No. Make the playoffs? Once. Once. Was it the COVID year? No, we, no I didn't <laughs> do playoffs in the AHL the COVID year, I don't think. I don't remember. So I don't remember much from that year. It was a weird year. Well, yeah, because you kept playing NHL 23, computer versus computer. <laughs> my only entertainment. Leave me alone. So, I mean... <laughs> we I still saw, can't get over that. I know. It's the funniest. So yeah, we saw we just saw a system that didn't work here. And there was no 
attempt or point where they ever said, you know what, let's try to change this up and see if something different will work. I mean, he did with the lineup. The blender was fine. Full. Yeah, he changed the lineup every night. But the the play, the how to enter a zone, how to handle the puck in the neutral zone, how to handle the puck in our own zone, nothing changed. The only thing that changed at any point in the season was our power play when Chase Hine joined the team. The system didn't work. At the end of the day, the system didn't work. Oh. And it was disappointing. So, enough disappointment. Who do you, Nick, feel like was the MVP of the Griffins' crap season? <laughs> um, I'm going to take the easy way out. <laughs> okay, go ahead. And I'm going to say Simon. Why? Uh, I would say Simon because he was the bright spot for the... For the full season. I'm not counting Carter Mazer. I'm not counting Lombardi into this. Right. I'm talking overall full season. Who's yeah. your MVP? Like a minimum of 15 Most valuable games. player to the team. Yeah. To like 15, at least playing 15 games. Yeah. Yeah. For a full season, I, this is where I was going to surprise you. So Simon Edmondson, I would say, was the bright spot of the, the, the team. Okay. Everybody, like, I did season tickets this year because, yeah, exactly. The The team on paper was supposed to be way better than what we had previously. Yep. Simon being here, top prospect. I was going to jump on board, ready to go. I wanted to see how this guy was developed and how he played. And I felt like he he did get a lot better throughout the season. I feel... He's still, that pace of play still concerns me, but... So is he your MVP or most improved? Uh, yeah, maybe he's my most improved. I mean, he's my most improved player of the season, by far. The first half of the season, I was nervous as heck um, about being like, oh my god, this is our top defensive prospect, and <laughs> he had some rough games in there, and his play, December, from December on, his play was... Top notch, top tier, elite, looked just like Mo Sider did when he was with the Griffins. And that's what I kept preaching all season long was Simon's development path in Grand Rapids looks 100% like what I saw happen with Mo Sider when he was here. Yeah, and I didn't get those Mo years, so I, I wish I could get those back. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is my favorite Wings player at the moment. Um, yeah, maybe I put him down as most improved. Yeah. Most valuable player. Dang, that's probably Taro? Okay. I don't know. This was a tough one. I, I know. know you gave me all day to research it, and I didn't. Uh, <laughs> ta- uh, uh, yeah, I think Taro. you going to go Hiroshi? I'm going to go Hiroshi. He kept pretty steady throughout the season. Because the only other people that I'm really thinking, like, they were injured for a good portion. Or they didn't play enough. Like, O'Regan came in through halfway the season. Mm-hmm. Chaser came halfway through the season. Nadelkovich came halfway through the season. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of moves were made after December, January. So it's tough for me to say for an overall season who that like main player. Because even in the beginning of the season, we were shuffling between Toledo a lot. Right, but a lot of the key pieces didn't shuffle. In like the second half, we had a lot of people going to 
Detroit. Right. So I would say Taro because he stayed throughout the season and he he stayed steady. He led the team. Yeah, led the team in points with 57. He had 16 goals, 41 assists. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he's, he's my most valuable player to the team. He's going to be captain. Oh, 100% support that decision. Cheyenne or Hiroshi makes sense to be a Griffins captain. 100%. Yeah, Tar Hiroshi, MVP of the season by far. He's... He was just great. His leadership was shown on the ice every, t- every single time he was out there. His playmaking ability is still very much there. He played every game very strong. He did not make many mistakes. And obviously, I mean, he led the team in points. It, it speaks to itself right there. The numbers speak for his performance of the season. He had a fantastic season for what we produced overall. <laughs> for the system that he had to play in. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't lead the team in goals. He led the team in assists. Lesby led the team in goals. But Did Lesby play the whole season? Mm-hmm. He's the only Griffin that played the whole season. He's your, is, Would you say he's your MVP? No, I said Taro. Oh, you said Taro too. Mm-hmm. Oh. Les Prince, don't get me wrong, was probably the best um, non-draft prospect addition to the team. Because we got him from the Texas Stars. We signed him from there in the offseason. He was just a signing. Uh, he's probably the best all-season addition to the team compared to last year's roster. I mean, we lost Riley Barber from last year, who ironically went to Texas, and then we got Les Bronze, and it was kind of plug-and-play. We lost Barber, who was a team leader in goals and points when he was here, and we gained Les Bronze, who obviously had a fantastic season. So There really wasn't a whole lot of players that played a whole lot of games throughout the season. Like, I've been looking back, I've been reflecting on the season today mm-hmm. and i didn't really look up stats but just kind of like thinking throughout yeah and yeah it is a very it was a very it's a very weird season for games played when you're looking at the roster it was it was a very weird roster management of just up down for detroit toledo and everywhere it trades yeah not the ideal system when you're coaching a team but also the system sucked so sorry so, most improved was the next category I was going to go to, and you already said Simon Edmondson for you. Yeah, I would say Simon was the most improved. Albert Johansson. That's a good pick, too. Yeah. I think his game went unrecognized by a lot of fans because of being overshadowed, literally, by Edmondson. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he's pretty tall. Yeah, exactly. Edmondson. But, yeah, I know that. <laughs> For our listeners. Oh, just making sure. Yeah. Johansson, though, again, another player who at the beginning of the season didn't start off as slow as Simon did, in my opinion. I thought at first Johansson was actually playing a better defensive game than Edmondson did until Edmondson turned it on in December. But Johansson's game grew every single game. Every single time you watched him step on the ice, he was a slightly better player than the last time he was on the ice. And towards the end of the season, he was making very good defensive plays, generating offense as well. Uh, He just, yeah, he was a great story of the season of how much better he has gotten. So, yeah, Albert Johansson for me, most improved, 100%. I wish he would have stayed healthy towards the end of the season. That's the only part that sucks is he missed, what, the last 9, 10 games? Yeah, last nine, ten games he missed. So, I mean, he has. He, he was playing really well. 
And I'm excited for next season to see how he continues to develop and play with the new system and new coach. Or is he a Red Wing next season? I don't think that he is. Even with if the he... reports of Gustav Lindstrom leaving. Yeah. Because Gustav was right hand and Albert Johansson is not right handed. And I understand that. But at the same time, if Johansson can continue the developmental path in the offseason he's had already. And I said it I say if he puts on five pounds of muscle to be able to throw his body around a little more, there's no saying that he can't be on the Red Wings roster next year. I think he could be a call-up for an injury, but I think Wallander takes that last spot because Wallander does play that right side. We'll see. <laughs> it's all speculation at this point. You weren't ready for that. Uh, no, I think that's who slots it on the right side there if Gustav's gone, for sure. Yeah. I don't think Johansson plays the full Griffin season next year. I'm going to predict that now. I don't know. I'm not going to. Who was the most surprising player this year for you? I would say most surprising player for positive, right? That like stood out. I mean, you could be surprised how bad they were. No. <laughs> yeah, who was the who was the biggest surprise for you this year that stood out the most? Um, I mean, this one's a double-edged sword. I would say so. Patasentrasen. Oh, interesting. Because there was a lot of hype for him in the beginning of the season. Remember the next category was most disappointing. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to throw that out there because you said that. And I was like, wait, don't talk yourself into the wrong category here again. (laughs) That's why I said this is a double-edged sword. Because there was a lot of hype for him. And I was excited for him. And he did not put up the numbers that we were expecting him to put up. Mm Mm-hmm. And then at the end, towards the end of the season, he started just ripping off those overtime tying goals. Well, remember at the beginning of the season, though, too, he had a hot stick for a while there, too. And then he we started cold. being very impressed by him. Yeah. And then he went cold. And so, I don't know, maybe it's the Michigan weather. I, I felt the funk, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. So I would say that was the most surprising player overall because, like, there was a lot of high hopes. And he was just very, he wasn't very consistent. He was very high and then very low. And so I would have liked to have seen more from him. Okay. My most surprising player, Austin Zarnick. Oh, you know what? I thought you were going to go there. I, yep, I went there. <laughs> so I obviously didn't know a ton about him when he came into the picture. We knew he was a, was a possibly a depth piece uh, for the wings where he could be a call-up, plug-and-play on the fourth line in the NHL. And just do his job, right? Uh, he came in here and tore it up on the score sheet right away. And I don't think there wasn't a game we were going to where he wasn't on the score sheet in some way, in a positive way, I should say. And then obviously he's gotten called up. He got called up what two, three times the wings, and he produced at that level every single time too. It wasn't just this fourth line player we're plugging in. He's getting third line minutes up there, and again, just fit right in perfectly. He was someone that didn't miss a beat on a call-up. He's not a liability. And he was never a liability here in Grand Rapids either. But not knowing much about him and seeing what we got out of that, I was shocked and loved every second of it. Easily, with Lesby, one of my favorite players to watch this season. Is he side for next year? Yeah, he is. Oh, cool. Yeah, he, Him and Luff, not going anywhere. He became one of my favorites. 
This is the tough category. No, I have a player ready. Most disappointing. Most disappointing player. You were ready for this one. I didn't think you'd be ready for this. Yeah. So, my most disappointing player would be Elmer. That's not fair. Why? Because half of his season was interrupted by injury. That's why I was disappointed. (laughs) Okay, no. Most disappointing in the performance you saw. Unless you were that disappointed in his performance, then I'm going to have a lot more questions. <laughs> no, his performance was was good, but I just expected more out of him. Because he gets the call right out of training camp. He goes up there. He scores his first goal. The kid is huge. He has great stick handling ability. And I just wanted more goals. I was really hoping he was going to be like Bergeron. Like, I didn't get a chance to watch I knew he wasn't going to come here and be Bergeron at this level. Why? Time and space in the AHL. Time and space in the NHL is... You get more time and space in some cases. I just felt like he should have played... I was really hoping that he, he... His skills translated in the NHL. I was expecting more goals. And just a better overall. And for him to play more. Like, he just... He only played 20 games out of a tired 72-game season. I know he played some for the Wings. He played a lot for the Wings. How many, 30 games? I don't remember exactly. I don't think he played that much with the so Wings. So he came here. So one, okay. I'm giving all the conflicted answers tonight. <laughs> well, I'm just going to contradict it because, well, one, yes, he went to Detroit and saw success right off the bat, right? Yeah. In that system. Ouch. Yeah, exactly. His play style does not fit the system that Ben Simon was trying to produce. It didn't work. Elmer's play works in the loan system. It will work in Dan Watson's system. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I I can't say with just the 20 games here. And then also, this injury that we still don't know what it was took him out for the season with a lot of playing time left. Yeah, it was a lot. How injured was he before that? How long has he been working on this injury? Was it finally a point where the management said, okay, let's not do long-term risk? Was there a surgery involved? We don't know. So, I, yeah, I can't. I'm going to completely disagree with you as most disappointing. But that's why it's your opinion and not mine. I had high hopes. I wanted to see the success. I. It was crazy for him to make it out of training camp. Like, you don't see a whole lot of prospects do that. No, and I feel like at the end of the day, it probably should have went opposite. It probably should have been Bergen making the team out of training camp and Elmer starting his season here. I would have loved to see that because Bergen played really well in the beginning of the season with the Red Wings. Like, when he when he was started he, with he, the Wigs, he was like yeah. a point-per-player. Point-per-game player, yeah, for sure. So, my, my disappointing... It's probably just more of, like, I had high hopes. You expected more than what got delivered in front of you, unfortunately, which would be disappointing. Correct. So I guess it fits the category. So, yeah, my definition of disappointing was different than your criteria of disappointing, so... You're going to hate my disappointed one. Oh, God. So my biggest disappointment of the season was Patas Andreasen. Yeah, that fits that category as well. There was a lot of buzz around this player who came in... In the beginning of the season, tore it up. So well, I thought he, what we were hearing about, he delivered. It was here. We're going to see it. And he fell off so fast. Yes, he rebounded at the end of the season, very end of the season. 
but he fell off the face of the earth on the score sheet. Do you think he picked up at the end of the season because he either knew that uh, Simon was going to leave or that he was leaving? <laughs> so that's where that's where this person gets interesting to me. Because, what, this was probably midway through the season, the rumor came out that he was looking to go back overseas and play. Yeah. That he wasn't going to be back in a Griffin's uniform. We don't know if he'll be back in a Griffin's uniform next year. That's crazy to me with the potential that I see in him. The potential's there. The potential of him being... Oh! He's not on the team. Three hours ago, he just signed to return to Sweden. Four-year deal with Luluyev SHL. Wow. Okay, so wow. let me cycle back here a second. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, to, Breaking to, news. to jump back <laughs> into this here, because Nick and I were debating a Pontus Andreas and stat as I'm talking about him being the, my biggest disappointment of the season, he is gone. He has signed a four-year deal in Sweden. Pontus Andreasen is no longer a Grand Epis Griffin. Um, so now I can talk all the crap I want to. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, he signed a one-year deal with Detroit last May. Okay. He wasn't drafted. But still, he was someone that had a lot of upside potential. Correct. And we saw that potential play out in front of us at the beginning and end of the season. That middle point where this rumor came out that he might leave, which turned out to be true, is when his play went to absolutely terrible. And, you know, he was on the wrong end of a lot of giveaways a lot of bad passes, just poor decision-making with the puck. It's the complete opposite of what we saw at the beginning and the end of the season. So, yeah, Andreasen, 100%, my biggest disappointment of the season. And we're getting this information off of Pro Hockey Rumors, broken by Brian LaRose, uh, 6.53 on April 25th. So um, the Griffins organization did not tweet anything out about it today. Uh, I did not see any news for this, so that's it's a shock. I'm surprised he didn't make a try to do another one year deal to just see what he could do with Grand Rapids with a, a better season, like a better system. Sorry, not a better season. Well, yeah, a better system to lead to a better season. But uh, I think his real goal was to try to make it to the NHL, and that's what he was most unhappy with. Is he got passed over by. Beargren and Elmer and uh, Sarnik, Chason. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. Um, EliteProspects.com also has it that he's left the team. Oh. So, to Loya, yeah. So that's that's, a, that's confirmed at this point. They were they, the Elite Prospects was breaking our back-and-forth interactions with Toledo quicker than the team was. Um, so, yeah, he's gone. Uh, and, like, you, I think you hit the nail on the head is where I think... Granted, we're not in the room. We don't know. We don't. We've never even talked to the guy. We don't. We don't know. But I feel like he walked in here thinking, "I'm going to score a bunch of goals at the start. I'm going to get this NHL call up, and it's going to be that easy." And sorry, kid, it's not. You got to be consistent. And he wasn't. Um. But yeah, Andreasen was my most disappointing player of the season, and he's yeah. gone. It was his most disappointing season as well. Apparently. <laughs> Whatever, man. Uh, <laughs> on to our next and probably last topic for this part of the pod and the season recap because we're at an hour and 13 minutes already. High point and low point. 
Let's talk low point first so we can end on a high note. <laughs> it's pretty hard to end on a high note with this season, Brandon. <laughs> oh, I can. Um, you know, out of all of those players that we mentioned through all of that, those categories, we didn't mention goaltending at all. Because none of them were my most disappointing and none of them were my um, most valuable. It's so... It, most improved. Because goaltending... I mean, Ned came back and improved his game. Ned came back and improved the game, and it kind of solidified the goaltending for a little bit. I mean, it, it did solidify the goaltending, but... Uh, <laughs> Until a Red Wings goalie got hurt, and then yeah. it was a mess. Low points... We had eight goalies. Yeah, we went through a lot of goalies this year. Eight goalies. Sec- or tied for most in the league. Jeez. I think Belleville... Belleville and us tied on a lot of low points. <laughs> we should probably give them a hug too. <laughs> yeah, they might need. Yeah, they might need something there. Um, low. But yeah, low point for you in the season. What was that point where you were just like, "All right," because you had it multiple times where you were like, "I've given up," and I kept getting sucked back in. What was the point where you were finally like, "Yup, this is it. Like, I'm done with this season." Oh man. That's tough. I know it was probably February. It was probably February is mm-hmm. when I was just like. So actually, this is this is where I was going to throw a curve at you. So you were going to throw a curve at me multiple times, Brandon. Yeah, no, episode, th- but you th- haven't thrown me off yet. This is it. This is it. So this is. I know exactly when the season took a turn. Okay. And so, uh, first, I want to say is that this was Sean Horcast's first year with this team. Because last year was Pat Verbeek. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, and he made trades. He tried to change the system. He tried to give Ben Simon different players. Like, we traded Giovanni Smith. Yep. We traded Kyle Criscolo. Yep. The wheels really, f- and why did we trade Kyle Criscolo? We had a plethora of veteran players at one point. Yeah. We were just running into issues there. That was a definite point, but also a, to get younger. Who were the veterans? Well, Verona was one of them. Yeah. I, so when Verona first started with the season, like when he came back from the NHLPA and he got assigned to Grand Rapids, there was a buzz. Mm-hmm. And we ripped off, like, and, and Ned came down too. And we ripped off, like, five wins in a row. Yeah. That was my high point. I was like, okay, we have Verona, we have Ned, we've solved some issues. And then we traded Kyle Criscolo because we needed to be able to get Vrana to showcase for a potential trade. Yeah. I feel that that was the wrong move in hindsight. The Kyle, yeah, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Kyle Criscolo was like a good glue for our team. And ever since we, we went on a huge losing streak. As soon as we get we as soon as we traded Kyle, did we? Yeah, we like bro. We were not winning. We, the longest losing streak I'm looking at in the season was four games. And then we won one, and then what? We, and we lose, won like, two. It was and right. We lose two or three. It was January. It was like mid January, like right after my birthday. Birthday's the twenty first. If you ever want to send me gifts. Jeez. Or if Ethan, if you're listening, you put it in your calendar. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> he always forgets. Uh. <laughs> yeah, the longest losing streak all season, buddy, was four. We did that twice. 
from January on? No, for the whole season. I feel like it was so much worse than that. I feel like after we gave, after we traded Kyle Criscolo, like the season just kind of like the wheels came off the, the, the train. Like we were close. The wheels were on the train. Uh, we the team a, never seemed like they meshed together. I feel like there was some fight in the beginning of the season. Like we had some overtime wins, or we got like close to tying. Um, at least, and at the beginning of the season, I can understand. But then when we got four wins, and then we traded Kyle. It felt like we never really meshed, and we had a lot more blowouts, and we had a lot more loot losses. Like, I wish the stats back that up, but it's actually the exact opposite of that. Really? The blowouts happened in the first half of the season, and the blowouts stopped midway through. That's so strange. I just, I, I was like, I feel like the biggest thing was when Kyle got traded, like, the, the team just fell apart. I think that was the biggest blow to morale in the entire season. 100%. Everybody loved Kyle. Yeah, but I like Kyle. Weatherby fit in great, and that's who we got for him. When did we get O'Regan? He was in the Giovanni Smith trade. Oh, okay, so it was before. Mm-hmm. Did we? Uh, it was like a couple weeks before. It wasn't that far apart. Yeah, like that was a that was a big those two trades. When the moment there was people traded away, I think is where you're getting at here. It was the lowest point because you're like, we're trying to rebuild within the AHL. <laughs> yeah, you can't rebuild. How the heck do you do that? <laughs> Sean's probably thinking the same thing. Like, uh, what do I have here? Which, in retro, like the other thing too is Steve's trying to build. I get it. We have to replace what we've lost, and his main focus was the wings, which mm-hmm. it should be. And now we're starting to see these prospects, and he goes, "Okay, now we got to fix this team as well." And I think that was, you know, n- noticing that. Bad time is not the answer for that. Yeah, and again, like I was saying, like the stats weren't exactly backing up what you said. Like the, the two four-game losing streaks, right? So the team had started the season off kind of back and forth. It was a lot. We were at five hundred below, at below, at below. That first losing streak, March first to March seventh, was the first four-game losing streak, and then the next one was March twenty-fifth to April second. Sorry, there was one more, too. April 7th to April 15th. Yeah. All the games that would have mattered. Well, they all mattered. Yeah, but you know what I mean. If you're trying to make that push where you're still keeping up with the division because the division was so tight and still trying to stay at 500 the entire second half of the season, they sucked. They were terrible. Yeah. And... Like, my high point was when they won those two games against Dallas. Like... (laughs) <laughs> Dallas was the top team in the division, and we beat them both games. And I was like, this is a team. Those weren't even games we were at. We went to one. The back-to-back wins against them was away. Were they really? Yeah. Would they play? They, was it like a four-game series? It was a four- or five-game homestand where they played Dallas in the same weekend. Or Texas, sorry. Uh, one of them was a shootout loss, so it was close. And then we beat them that night before. But I mean, the top team in the division, yeah, beating them any time, it felt good. There was so many glimmers of hope where you're like... For you. (laughs) I mean, even just overall, even in the whole season, it's like, okay, I think they've got it. Like, even in a loss, you'd see, like, there's something something cooking. And then Ben Simon forgot to take it out of the oven and burned it. (laughs) Like the six-game comeback or whatever it was. The six-goal comeback? Yeah. Yeah. That was a high point for you. 
<laughs> How did you know? Because <laughs> uh, you were there. Well, that was the high point of the entire season, I feel. <laughs> no, there's two of those. Okay. But, I mean, yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying 100% on the low point of it. And the low point... God, the low point for me... Is it bad to say the whole season? <laughs> uh, no, I can't say the whole season. Because obviously, like I said, there's there's positives in there. The, I mean, the low point in me is around the same time where I just realized the team wasn't meshing. The, they just couldn't get good chemistry going on the ice. And you'd go to so many games where we got a lead and freaking blew it. Yeah, within like the first like two seconds of the, or the like first two minutes of the period. Yeah. Like it was, and then it was just like three goals in a row, and it's like, what are we doing? Yeah, when the wheels fell off, they fell off. <laughs> and and yeah. we didn't turn into a spaceship. We turned into a. <laughs> <laughs> turned into a sinking boat. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. And, you know, maybe the, the sign was there at the beginning of the season when we lost the first game to who turned out to be the worst team in the AHL this season, San Diego. We lost the first game of the season, the home opener, to them. I mean, we won literally the next night, 8-5. to five, But that might have been the sign of the season right there, losing the first game to the worst team in the AHL. It, like, the season was weird, I feel, because, like, I've watched hockey. It, like, I, the season, the one thing that I appreciate about hockey and going to 40, 35 games or something like that. Like, when I started, it was just to watch the game. Like, that was it. Right. Uh, throughout the season, or, like, a, a player, like Simon. Like, I would key in on Simon. One, he's super tall, so it's hard to miss him. But I was really able to appreciate watching the game at so much. And I learned so much throughout the season. Like... I couldn't have told you all the players that were on the Griffins. Uh, now, I could probably I could list off at probably fifteen or twenty. Right but uh, at the beginning of the season, it was. Yeah, I, I had no idea, you know. Um, so to watch and learn so much, um, I'm excited to see what next season is going to bring because I know the players, I know the roles, I know who plays what position. Because like I just followed the wings, like that was that was my team. Right. So to really learn and love this team, or try to learn to love this team, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a hard season to start. Yeah. Um, but, like, noticing a lot more things now, too. Like, the last game of the season, like, I keyed on Amadeus, and I really watched where his head was and, like, where he was positioned on the ice and saw. And then even, like, halfway through the season, I mentioned to you a couple times, like, why do they keep dumping the puck in and just <laughs> chasing it? Like, this is not yeah. working. Why aren't they not switching this up? Like, I don't think I'll ever be on the level that you're on, Brandon. Like, you know all the players' numbers. You know what height they are. Uh, it's just all how we all process data, right? Yeah. Process names and numbers a little better than... That's, <laughs> I don't know. And just, there's so many lenses to watch the game. And I it was good to be able to watch it through a different lens, this like, the second half of the season. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of positives for next season. Um, a lot of players coming in, so I'm excited to uh, yeah to, to do that. I mean, to close out the low point, I think the hardest part that we can both agree on would be the lowest point of the whole season is just the home record in general. So an overall record of 28, 36, 4, and 4, 
a home record of 12 wins only. We only saw 12 wins all season in multiple of those were on Wednesdays when you didn't get to go. Yeah. So like 12, 17, 4, and 3 at home this season. Do they have a breakdown of how many Wednesday games they've won? No, there's no breakdown of Wednesday wins for you. I'm sorry. I could get that for you later, though. But the home record was it is easily the hardest pill to swallow as a first-year season ticket holder, as a fan with all these anticipations around these prospects and the product that you got to watch the most in person, you only saw 12 wins. No, I saw less than that. <laughs> well, correct, but you know what I mean. So I think that's the collective low point of the season right there is just the home record itself, which sucks. But I'm going to spin it to the high point of the season for you. What was that? I got to go to a lot of hockey games with you, buddy. <laughs> that was a good, that's, that's, yep, that's a good high point there. Um, the Jersey auctions. <laughs> oh my God. The vibes were good at the auctions. The, the vibes were not good the rest of the season. Um, I mean, the high points really were to like, we saw Verona. I mean, honestly, like hockey, it was really bad to watch Ben Simon struggle through another season so i mean i i would say the high points and i this is what i always try to bring to the podcast was the experience off of the ice was good of like going to other games going to other stadiums going to keeping it with griffins i mean the jersey auctions were cool to do for the first time to do the high five thing uh with my work team that was cool and what other high points were there that i was like I know the overtime win at the, the beginning of the season the with overtime Cross. Overtime against Toronto with Cross. I knew it was going to be a game that you mentioned. That was that was a good game. Uh, Lash off Lombardi. That last the home the last home game was a good game, even though we lost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say the, the those experience those memories, or, or like we sat behind the player bench. That was cool. Um, stuff like that was more to me, like meant more to me than. The, the wins and losses. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Because I saw a lot of losses. Well, right. <laughs> no, I mean, the experience, for experience-wise, yeah, there was a lot of high points for us. I mean, the whole season itself was a high point in experience when you're talking about not just the on-the-ice product, obviously, but can you think of a high point with the team at all with you, or is it... When we met everybody for the autograph signing. <laughs> Jeez, that's another experience, man. Um... I would say Pontus and Jason's oh, the that was it the tying goal that he had like when he got on that hot streak those three games oh the tying the, goal against Iowa yeah, yeah. that was a, that was like a high point I would say or the cross overtime uh, winner that was uh, a big one um, yeah I would say those were like kind of like the two highlight for the team uh, I mean seeing Verona play. That was cool. Seeing Ned a lot play, of players that we didn't think we were going to see. Yeah, Ned. Yeah, if you would have told me in the beginning of the season, we would have saw these at an extended amount of time. Like, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, but just sort of crazy weird how the season worked. So, uh, yeah, I would say those were the high points. I'm trying to think if there were anybody else that came through. Well, I mean, we started off the season with Berger and then Elmer ended up here. I mean, the, pl- the players we got to see that are, like, prospect-worthy to pay attention to and stuff like that, like, there was excitement there because we saw a lot of players we didn't think we'd see. Yeah, and you got to see Carter, so that was cool for you. I did get to see Mazer at least play one game. I didn't get to so. see Carter play. Um, 
high point for me in the season. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. We talked about games that were a high point. It's the two comeback wins, actually. So, ironically, these are both against the Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the one earlier in the season where I think they were down. So, they were down by four goals. This is a road game in Chicago. This was a game that Bradstrom was actually the goalie in. Um, they were down by four in the second period and won this game eight to seven in overtime. That was the same time the Wings did that crazy comeback that they had too. These all happened within a couple days of each other. <laughs> and I couldn't believe what I was watching because I, of course, I was trying to watch every away game I could too. And they got down by four, and I'm pretty sure I just tried to play the video game and just left the game around in the background. And then I turned around and saw that they were within one goal and was like, what? And then watched the rest of that game and was blown away. I was like, this is so cool. What a crazy comeback. The Wings had just done this too. Like, the comeback kids are at it. I love this. Good thing you didn't have to clip that game. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't have a podcast at that point. Yeah, Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't be able to keep up. There was a couple games like that, though, where they kept me on my toes. I think it was the time Verona scored his first goal with us. That game was tough to keep up with, too, that period. I think they scored, like, four goals in, like, seven minutes that period. Could you imagine if we clipped that? How many views would have been? What, Verona's first goal? Yeah. We did. We were a podcast when Verona scored his first goal. Oh, yeah, we were. Yeah, it's okay, buddy. That was a big game. It's getting late. We We did have a lot of views on that one. It's getting late. So. It is getting late. And, the, I mean, obviously the game in person, the Wednesday um, against the Wolves, where they score six freaking goals in the third period to come back and win a game. That, I mean, those were the games that you were like, I love this team, I'm proud of this team, there's the fight, the team's got that dog in them, <laughs> they're ready to go. Like, that's where I feel like peeling it back a little bit again. Not in the room. I don't know what this looks like. But that's where I feel like a lot of the time Ben Simon's word doesn't matter and the veterans on that team were stepping up and saying the right things and getting the guys going. Yeah. And that's where the play came out in the ice. I don't think Ben Simon was the one in there inspiring a six-goal third period. It was the heart of some of these players, especially the ones that were scoring in those games. Uh, I mean, Andreasen was in that six-goal third period. Riley Sawchuck was. Uh you know, Lespie, you know, a lot of players that always showed energy when we were watching these games were the ones that were instrumental and so important in these comebacks. And there was quite a few comebacks throughout the season, but those two stand out. Those were my, like, favorite games that I've watched. Probably all season across most of the teams we follow. Yeah. Those, I mean... Those comebacks were... are always more fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Well, and I was jealous because you were actually there at that one... It was incredible. Which, that article for Full Press should be coming out any day now. So, keep an eye out for that. We'll share that when Elaine posts it. Yeah. Um, but she's uh, focused on that game. was calling it, like, the most amazing Griffins game ever or something like that. Because it really <laughs> was. It's, I mean, it's the only time in franchise history that's ever happened. Um, but I just love that both comebacks were against the Wolves. That one just feels real good. Um, they didn't make the playoffs, right? No. No, they did not. But, yeah, I mean... Outside of that, no other high point for me that I can really think of that stands out the most. Besides, obviously, like there's parts of that you, you hit on certain players that we got to see, the experience and stuff like that, which we'll talk experience in the offseason here too. But the experience overall, first season, getting to go to games together, that was, I mean, that's going to be the high point, let's be real. <laughs> I mean, it, it's right up there. I think 
Ben Simon being fired was probably <laughs> right there. Yo, that's what I was gonna say. Oh, he, yeah, that him being fired is the off-season high point so far. Yeah, until <laughs> uh, we get a coach. Well, when we hire Dan Watson, it'll be the next high point. <laughs> but that's where we're gonna leave it for Griffin's season recap on this episode. Unless you have. Anything else? My brain is dead. Yeah, bro. it's eleven o'clock at night after <laughs> on a Tuesday here. So yeah. We like again, like we said, next episode we will talk on Toledo's games or how many ever many games they play. Maybe it's only one more, who knows? Hopefully. Um yeah, hopefully they just sweep them. And we'll d- start diving in a little deeper into the actual Griffin season, some specifics on forwards, defensemen, and goalies. A <laughs> uh, plethora of goalies to talk about and pick from. But that's all I have this week. Unless you want to throw one last curveball at me? Um, I don't have anything crazy to throw at us. We don't have a topic to end on. Yeah. <laughs> I've got nothing. I had to really think there for a second. Uh, uh, just to make sure I wasn't missing anything important here. But thanks for tuning in. Give us a follow on social media. Definitely follow the podcast Twitter page because that's where you're going to see every possible Toledo Walleye playoff highlight. Uh, we get as much as we can out there with covering these games and obviously any other breaking roster news for the Griffins like Andreasen's departure. Uh, we'll obviously share there. So follow us at Hockey Town W Pod on Twitter. Then you can follow me at Brandon GR Hockey and Nick at GR Hockey Guy. But after that, that's all we got. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to the Hockey Town West podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at HockeyTownWPod and your host, Nick at GR Hockey Guy and Brandon at Brandon GR Hockey.